The following has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. If you your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Hebrews, that book of the Bible that we're not sure who it was written by for sure. Um, one of my favorite jokes about Hebrews is that it's the one that helps us know that men are supposed to make coffee in the morning because Hebrews... Every time I tell that joke, my wife always like, honey, you really shouldn't tell those jokes. One of the things I'm enjoying about getting older is I can tell the same joke over and over again. And I'm not really concerned if you like it or not. I'm having a good time telling the jokes, so I'm just going to keep telling those jokes. So, Hey, I want to talk this morning about the subject of rest. And, and I'm not talking about the kind of rest that you need after you have a son that gets married and you spend about a month and a half getting him into his new house and it's been a very busy and crazy season in our lives. Though those, That kind of rest is needed and all of us need to make sure we take some time during busy times of our life to step back and rest. You know, God gave us a Sabbath, a, a day off of the week, not because he was mean, right? He did it because he wanted us to rest. He wanted us to be refreshed. He wanted us to have life being put back into us. But the kind of rest that I want to talk to you about today is the, is the rest that only comes from putting your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. There's a rest that comes into our life when we go all in with God and put all of our hope, all of our trust in him. So I want to look at what God's word has to say about this, what happens when we enter into the rest. And and I want to make a quick point today. Today we're going to be looking at your Bible, God's word. And I want to remind you that God's word is God's word. Now, Pastor Richie, of course, that's the same thing. No, listen to me again. God's word, the Bible, is God's word to you. That means God's promises are God's promises to you. Now, unfortunately, we have people in our lives that sometimes their word is not really that good. And if they say they're going to do something, it's about a 50-50 chance if they're going to do that. And unfortunately, what we have a tendency to think is that, well, if they're this way, I bet God's this way also. But the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. So just so you know, God can't lie. Because if God said something that seemed a little bit different, it actually becomes truth because he is the speaker of truth. He's God. And when he gives us a promise, we can take it to the bank that it's a promise. Now, sometimes we're waiting on a promise, and what happens is the accuser comes in, and he begins to try to get us to be fearful, doubting, and filled with unbelief. But we can recognize that God's word is God's word. Are you all all picking up what I'm laying down today? All right. So let's look at this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, talking about this issue of rest. How many of you are ready for some rest in your life? How many of you are ready for some of this? (sighs) All right, I'm going to talk about it today. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. Now, it's talking about, the writer of Hebrews is talking about the children of Israel hearing the gospel preached to them, but it's also being preached to us. But the message that they heard, talking about the children of Israel again, was of no value to them. Now, isn't that a shame that the word of God had no value to them? What a a disappointment. Here's why. Because those who heard did not combine it with faith. See, when I'm preaching the word, I'm preaching the word of God every Sunday. Have you ever walked out of a service 
and said, man, I don't know what Pastor Richie was talking about today, but I sure didn't get that. But the person that you walked out with said, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? He said this, and man, God said this to me and spoke this and all that. See, we actually have to lay hold of the word of God that, that is being preached to us. We have to take hold of it and grab a hold of it. See, now we know what we have to do with the word of God that we're hearing. We have to mix it with faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, I can't see it right now, but God, I want to mix it with faith. This is what your word says, so I'm choosing to believe your word, not how I feel, not what the circumstances are saying. All righty? So we have to mix it with faith. Well, the Bible tells us how faith comes into our lives. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And I love that fact because it's almost like he wants to say, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In other words, hearing the word of God produces for you potential. See, it's the potential to receive faith. But if you're texting, you're doing something else, you miss an opportunity when the word of God is flying. I caught some of you texting because all of a sudden you're looking up. (laughs) Did God just tell him that? You're missing the opportunity to lay hold of the Word of God. The Word of God is zipping past some of you. Right? You feel like you're in Star Wars. Man, some of you need to reach up and grab a hold of the Word of God and receive faith. See, there's no value or reward in the Word of God unless you mix it with faith. And then you begin to position yourself to be able to act upon what you heard. See, if I, we hear the Word of God that we are to be forgiving... We can hear that all day long and we go, okay, I'm supposed to be forgiving, but I'm going to walk out and I'm going to choose to be unforgiving. You're not mixing the word of God with faith. You've got to make a choice to say, I believe what the word of God says. My emotions and feelings say I don't ever, ever want to forgive that person. I want to be mad at them the rest of my life. I don't don't ever want to step into and forgive them. But what faith does is faith says, this is what the word of God says, therefore I choose to be forgiving. And I make a choice, and I'm going to get my feelings and my emotions in alignment with what it is I'm going to believe. Just so you know, you're in charge of what you believe. Your feelings and emotions may be all over the place, but you're in charge of what you believe. Verse 3, now we who have believed enter that rest. Now, what we can learn from that one line right there is that we can judge our belief or what we believe based on rest. Because we're quick to say, I believe, but then labor like it's all depending on us. After all, we all know what second opinion says, that God helps those who help themselves. Right? But if you believe, why don't you just rest in it? Choose to believe what the Word of God says and rest in it. If I were to ask you this morning, especially if you've been at our church for a while, how many of you believe that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you can't become more righteous, that you're a righteous dude and a righteous dudette simply because of what God has done, and you are righteous? How many of you would say, man, I believe. I believe that. I believe that. Then rest in it. Rest in it. In the midst of your failure. Rest in the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In fact, there is not a time that you need to receive God's grace, mercy, and understand righteousness more than when you fail. Grace is undeserved, unmerited favor. It's not earned favor. Rest in it. See, because what he's saying is that if you believe, then you will enter into rest. Now that challenged me. 
as I know it's challenging some of you, because there are some things that I said that I believed, but I have not entered into rest. And so what I, I have no choice but to conclude that maybe I don't believe the way that I thought that I believe. So anytime there's no rest, I'm going to say, I choose to believe so that I can enter into rest. Again, verse 3, now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger. Again, this is talking about the children of Israel. They shall never enter my rest. Why? Because they didn't believe God. Y'all know the story about the 12 spies, right? Going into the promised land that God had promised them. How many of you know that God has given you some promises in the word of God? God had promised them the land. They went into the land. Ten came back with a negative report. Ten said, the the giants are too big. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. But Caleb and Joshua, the Bible says, they had a different spirit on them. And they said, we are well able. If God is for us, we're going to be able to take this land. Do you realize that ten men changed the destiny of millions of people? Our words are powerful. You shall never enter my rest, and yet this work has been finished since the creation of the world. Verse 4, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all of his work. And again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest, and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience, because of their unbelief. Now I want to make something real clear here real quick. If you're a child of God, if you've invited Jesus into your life, You are a believer, okay? But even as believers, we can be unbelieving. Have you ever noticed that there's some areas of your life that you can really trust and believe God for, but other areas you get a little challenged in? And we can be very unbelieving. We don't enter into the rest in any area of our life where we have unbelief. So notice that he is qualifying or disqualifying our belief based on rest. In other words, no rest no belief. Then he turns right back around and says that he, they didn't enter that rest because of their unbelief or because of their disobedience. So I can't help but see that there's a connection between my belief and unbelief and entering into God's rest. To be able to be huh, about everything going on in my life. Well, Pastor Richie, you don't really understand what's going on in my life. doesn't matter. You remember Jesus when he was crossing the Sea of Galilee, the storm came up. What were the disciples doing? Freaking out. Ah, Jesus, don't you care that we perish? What's Jesus doing? Sleeping in the boat. You can rest in the midst of storms. Doesn't mean that it's an absence of activity. It just means that you're resting. God, my confidence is in you, not in the situation. God, my confidence is in you, not in the government. God, my confidence is in you, not in my job. God, my confidence is in you, not in what the doctor says. My confidence is in you. So there's a connection between our belief and unbelief and rest. It's one of those internal attitudes. You either believe or you don't believe, and that belief or unbelief is determined by rest. And we all have to choose to, in fact, let's just do that all together. Doesn't that feel good? Get a little anxious? Go, So this kind of creates a gauge for you and I to understand how well we're really believing. So we say that we believe, but are we resting? How many of you, this is speaking to you today, right? Do I trust God with this? Because, man, when all the details are being worked out perfectly, boy, it's easy to trust God. 
But all of a sudden, a little wrinkle comes in the plan or a situation comes up we hadn't expected. Do I trust God in this? See, it would be a shame for you to think that you're believing because you say, I believe, I believe, I believe, and then find out from the acid test that you aren't actually resting. Therefore, we must conclude that you're not believing. None of us like to be told we don't believe, right? But when the evidence of lack of rest is operating in our lives, it's evidence that we don't believe. You want to go to another level of belief in your life? Have people in your life tell you when you're not resting. So, if you believe, rest. Rest in what? Rest in God's promises. Find a promise, rest in the promise of God. But you're going to have to take a look at what it is that you say you believe. If you recognize that you're not believing the way that you thought you were believing, because there's no rest in that area, let's talk about with our children. Have you ever found yourself not resting about your children? Listen, they don't have to be teenagers before you're freaked out about them. Today, you can, be, you can be freaked out at any age. Well, God, is, is they going to get this sickness? Are they going to get this disease? Listen, God doesn't want us to be anxious about our children. He wants us to give them our children. I know some of you are thinking, boy, I've got a couple children I'd like to give to God right now. <laughs> right? You rest with it. God, I'm trusting you with them. In the area of finances, you can trust God with your finances. Don't shout me down today. You can trust God with your finances. Listen, you just need to rest in that. That person that you're working for is not your provider. God is your provider. Your future. Man, you, you listen to the news or you hear the reports and you're thinking, our future is going to be horrible. Listen, as followers of Jesus Christ, we always win. We always win. Remember, this is not our home. Listen, God wants us to walk in an abundant life here, but as amazing as this life is, the next life in heaven is going to be more amazing. Walking on streets of gold, a place where there's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. Cowboys always win. It's going to be awesome. Sorry, I lost some of you right there. We can trust God with our future. See, if there's no rest, we need to go back to start speaking hope in our lives. If you're anxious about it, you've got to go back to speaking hope in your lives. We need to start speaking what God's Word says that we are to believe. We get our thoughts, our actions, and our mindset lined up with the Word of God. We speak what the Word of God says. In other words, if you begin to discover that what you thought you believed, you're really not believing because there's no rest, start speaking hope. Pastor Richie, i got to be real. Again, as I said a couple of weeks ago, you have to decide what you believe is real. Your current circumstances are what the Word of God says. For me and my house, we're choosing to believe what the Word of God says. And that is real. And it doesn't matter how I feel about it, what I'm walking through, I'm choosing to speak hope from the Word of God. I'm continuing to declare what the Word of God says. Start meditating on the Word. It's, it's one of the reasons why you should get up in the morning and spend time with God. Not because if you do it, God says, okay, now I love you all. Blessed your day today. Everyone's going to be nice driving on the road. Your boss is going to be great to you. Your, your wife's going to take you dinner, make you dinner that's going to be amazing. No, that's not what it's all about. It's getting our hearts in alignment with the promises of God. Reminding ourselves who our God is and who we are in Christ Jesus. Meditate on the word. Start speaking the word over your life. I'm telling you, you've got you to almost be willing to be a little bit different than people around you. You may have a family that's going to think you're weird. We were talking with a young lady in our connect group, and she was talking about how her whole family thinks that she's crazy because she's just believing God's promises. Start speaking God's promises over your life. Spend more time with God. Declare what his word says over your life until you get to the place where you enter into rest. 
How do you know when you're done? Because you've entered into rest about that situation. You keep declaring it. You're still anxious, still anxious. Keep declaring it, and you enter into rest. Several years ago, we began a capital campaign here at the church, and Pam and I began to pray about what God would have us to do, which, by the way, every time we're asking you to give, I want you to know it's an opportunity for you to give. We cannot ever outgive God. We can't. It's amazing to be able to invest in the kingdom of God, but we began praying about what God would want us to do, and we began to feel like God wanted us to do something extraordinary, something that was going to kind of stretch our perspective on, on him and what he, what he, who he's all about. So I was praying about it one day, about what God would have us to do, and suddenly I felt the Lord telling me that we needed to, I needed to sell my car and give that money to the capital campaign. Well, I did what all Christians should do at that point. I began rebuking the devil and began saying, get thee behind me, Satan. You do not have the things of God in mind, right? And, and I began wondering, God, listen, man, this is, this is the first brand new car I've ever had. This is fun. This is awesome. And, and listen, I've got three drivers. I've got three vehicles. So God, surely you're not asking me to go down to two vehicles and three drivers and begin to have all this wrestling match going on. How many of you know what I'm talking about when God begins to speak to you? Well, wouldn't you know that my wife began to say, honey, we could sell our car. Now, how many of you know that God brings our spouses into our life or people into our lives to speak truth? even though sometimes we don't want to hear it. And man, when she began to say that, I just, I'd already known it was God. It really became a confirming word. But I still wasn't resting about it. You know what? I still was anxious. Oh, God. Well, what happened is, because I wanted to go to a new level in understanding sowing and reaping, I began to get into the word of God about giving and sowing and reaping, and I began to meditate on those scriptures, and I began to think about the, the issues of sowing and reaping, that the word of God says that he gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower. So that's why we ask God about giving, because some of the, the money that God brings into your life is for you, for you to enjoy. Again, God wants you to be blessed. All right, He wants you to be blessed, and he wants you to be able to be a blessing to others. But he's also given some of our, of our wealth to be sowing into the kingdom of God. And when we sow into the kingdom of God, that's when a harvest begins to come back in the kingdom of God and also in our lives. So I began meditating on those scriptures, and I began thinking about it. Well, then all of a sudden I began saying the scriptures. And it was kind of hard to say at first, but I began speaking them out. And then, then I began telling, telling a few people about what God was calling me to do, about to sell my car and to give that money to the capital campaign. And hey, just so you know, it's okay for you to talk about what God's calling you to do financially. See, sometimes we think that, that it's all about, we have to kind of hide the issue of giving because of the fact that Jesus dealt with our motives and our attitude. And, and when, if I'm doing, ever talking to you about, hey, look what God's asked me to do. You know, God's asked me to give a lot, and so God bless you for what you're giving, but God's really blessed me and asked me to do something supernatural because I'm super spiritual, right? <laughs> if we're ever doing that, Jesus said, man, you're getting your reward. But that's what he was dealing with. He was not dealing with us testifying about God's goodness and talking about what God is asking us to do. Because you see, when I began to do that and then super incredible things began showing up in my life, people began to put two and two together to understand you can't outgive God. And I'm telling you that when God asks you to do something, sometimes it is a stretch of faith. And you're kind of like, oh God, I'm not sure if I can really do this. But when you step out in faith, it's amazing what begins to happen in your life. So I began talking to other people, and I, and I began to share it. And before you know it, I entered into rest. Why? Because I meditated on the Word of God. I began speaking the Word of God. And suddenly what was happening on the inside of me became more real than my feelings and my emotions. 
and I entered into rest. Listen, I had to say God's promises out loud over my life. Just so you know, sometimes when you don't believe especially, that's the time more than any, you need to say God's promises out loud over your life. And you need to say them with confidence, even if you don't have confidence. And you declare it. Because the more I begin to say it out loud over my life, again, I entered into the rest. It wasn't enough for somebody else to say them over my life. See, it's one thing for you to to hear me say things over your life, but it's a whole nother level for you to begin saying things over your life. You begin to really believe. I can tell you all day long that you're more than a conqueror, that what you're walking through, God has already provided a way out, and you're a conqueror over the situations, the difficulties and challenges that you're faced with. It's one thing for me to say it, but when you begin to say it, When you begin to buy into it, you start saying, I am more than a conqueror. I will overcome. Something goes off inside of you. You know what happens is you begin to believe. What the enemy wants us to do again is to declare the problem. God, I'm never going to get out of this. God, I'm always going to be in this situation. God, things are always going to be like this for me. Because that's the accusation that's coming. We speak what the word of God says. Go to a whole other level of believing. Verse 7. Therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Listen, God's speaking to us all the time. We've got to make sure that we don't harden our hearts to his voice. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. How many of you are ready to enter into the Sabbath rest in your life? That, man, you may, some of you may have been through six years of hell. But listen, this is a Sabbath rest for you. There's a, a rest that God wants for his people. Verse 10, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his work, just as God did from his. Verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Now, when you think of the word rest, you typically don't think about what he says here, making every effort. Right? It, it sounds like an oxymoron, like they're contradicting. So he says, let us therefore make every effort. Now, is he contradicting himself? No. He's saying make every effort to enter that rest. So when we make every effort to enter that rest, we're entering into what? Into the confidence and the belief and the rest that we have in God's goodness and in his power. We're just simply choosing to believe God is a good God who loves to do good things in the lives of his children. So how do we make every effort? Declaring and meditating the word of God. Counting your blessings. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Amen? Very poet and don't know it, right? Remembering what God has done. Listen, sometimes in the midst of the storm, you just got to go back and remember some things that God did in your life. So let us therefore make every effort, verse 11 again, to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their examples of disobedience. Sometimes we don't enter into the rest, that promised land that God has for us in some areas of our life, because we're not resting in God. We're we're, we're buying into the, the accusations of the enemy. Verse 12, for the word of God is what? 
living and active. Catch that again. The Word of God is living and active. The Word of God is what? It's the Word of God. It's living and active. It's not like books you read in college that may have been great literature, things that you wrote, literary things that, that were written, that you read that were awesome. Sorry, I'm having a hard time saying that. My tongue's getting all tangled up as I'm saying it. But they may have been awesome, but it's not like the Word of God. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Wow, what an amazing verse. It shows us the power of God's Word operating in our lives. It penetrates our lives. When, when you're hearing the Word of God and you're laying hold of it, it penetrates our lives. It penetrates to dividing the soul and the spirit. Now, what's our soul? It's our mind, our will, and our emotions. How many of you have ever found your soul, your mind, and your, or your will and emotions warring against your spirit? Or against God's spirit? You know the promise, but your mind, intellectually, it's warring against your spirit. Emotionally, it's warring against your spirit. See, it's kind of hard to rest when your mind or your will or your emotions are warring against your spirit. But that's why the Word of God is so powerful in our lives. It is living and active. It penetrates and judges wrong thoughts, wrong choices, wrong emotions. And it helps us get those wrong thoughts, choices, and emotions in line with the Word of God so that we can enter into rest. Again, how many of you are ready to enter into some rest? You've had some areas in your life you haven't been resting in. I'm ready to enter into the rest. Amen? Amen. See, it doesn't matter what the situation says. We have to learn what God's word says about the matter. Situation says this. God's word says this. What are we going to choose to believe? The word of God. So listen to what God's word says in rest, about rest in Isaiah. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. Now, if you want to know what your salvation, again, this is not just being saved from heaven or from hell to heaven or becoming, moving from being a sinner to being a child of God. This is in all areas of your life. It's through repentance and rest is your salvation. Now, for those of you that grew up like me, repentance is not, we're going to have an altar call at the end of the service and you've got to come down and cry and snot for about 30 minutes and that's repentance. Repentance means you change your mind. This is what I had been believing about this. This is what the Word of God says. I'm going to repent. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to believe what the Word of God says. I'm going to rest. I mean, in other words, I'm going to believe what the Word of God says, and I'm going to make every effort to enter into that, ah, the rest. See, there's a time, well, let me finish the verse. It's in quietness and trust. That word confident, it means confidence is your strength. But again, he tells them, but you would have none of it. See, there's a time to move, there's a time to pursue and to pray, and then there's a time to repent or turn away from fretting and worrying and just rest. Just make a choice to rest about it. And it's in rest that you find your salvation. It's in quietness and trust that you find your confidence and your strength. See, there's a strength that God has made available to those of us that have chosen to get into Christ and say, I've repented, I've changed my mind about that, I'm in. But there's another step. There's another step of trusting God and entering into the rest. Thanking God for the situation. Instead of keep praying, crying, just start thanking God that he's already going to answer what it is that he said he's going to answer in his word. Amen? Entering into his rest. Now, just so you know, when I'm talking about rest, I want to be, make sure we're all clear, I'm not talking about going to bed. 
So I'm not encouraging you to call your place of employment tomorrow and say, well, Pastor Richie said we're supposed to rest, so I'm not coming in this week. Love y'all. All right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, I'm placing that word rest right up there next to the word of confidence. I'm resting in it. I'm confident. Rest, confidence, assurance. It's a settled issue. I'm, I know that I know. It's an absolute and complete confidence. It's unwavering confidence. You realize that you can get to a place of unwavering confidence in your relationship with God. You can get steadfast. God is going to take care of me. That's a person that's never going to be shaken. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. If you're resting in God, trusting in God, you've got confidence in his promises, you're not going to be shaken. They don't worry. The Bible tells us not to worry. It's not just saying that because it's a cute little thing. Just so you know and remind you again, worry is not a spiritual gift. All right? And I know some of you think that, man, if I worry, it proves I'm responsible. No, it just means you don't trust God. It means that you think that how you can figure it out or how you can work it out is more powerful than the promises in the Word of God. Worry does not work. I know some of you think that it does because things you worry about don't happen. Right? And it happened because you worried. All right. You worried about it. See, when somebody gets in rest, there's great confidence and strength that's made available. It's going to be richly rewarded. Again, the children of Israel missing out on the promised land. And today in our lives, we are missing out, in, at least in areas of a promised land, financially, health, relationships, our future, trusting in God, because we're not able to rest. We're not able to trust in God. When we trust God, there's a payday. The promises of God start showing up. What is the thing that you're needing God to do? What is it that you're struggling with trying to make something happen? Maybe it's time you just rest. Some of you have been praying about jobs. Maybe it's time to rest. Some of you have been praying about relationship, maybe with your children or with your spouse. Maybe it's time to rest. Some of you have had some health issues that you, you are anxious about trying to fix it. Maybe it's time to rest. And again, rest is not, not doing anything. It's just that as I'm doing it, I'm rest. You know, I can get up and I can have a very busy day and I can rest all day long and it's awesome. I go home a little bit physically tired, but man, it's a wonderful day. And then I can have a not as busy day that I'm worried and anxious all day long and I'm exhausted by lunch. You know what I'm talking about? So it's not the absence of activity, it's rest in the middle of activity. Listen, once you pray about it, just start thanking God for the results. Read the word. This is what his word says. I'm thanking God for the results. If you're willing to wait on God, he will take care of it. Let me say that again. If you're willing to wait on God, he will take care of it. And listen, if you're willing to stand forever, you won't have to stand long. Everything that we're doing, everything that is going on in our lives is moving us towards the rest that God is taking us into. God even takes the things that the enemy has meant for evil and turns them around and makes them for our good. It's powerful what God begins to do in our life. Everything God did for Israel, opening up the Red Sea. Do you remember how freaked out they were when the Egyptian army was coming? God was taking them into rest. Everything that God did for Israel, destroying the Egyptians, was to take them towards the rest he was leading them to. See, we can get so focused on the situation that we're dealing with. As I talked earlier during the ministry time, if you are focused on the problem, you are becoming like the thing that you're beholding. And we can get so focused on the situation we're dealing with or get so focused on how God is going to rescue us. Have you ever tried to help God? 
help him figure out how he's going to rescue you, we forget that all of the things that you and I are walking to is leading us towards a place of rest. These are advertising points to help you and I step into rest. See, the hope that you've accumulated from your past, out of all the things that God has done for you, it's directing you towards rest. Do we believe in the goodness of God? Yes, rest. Do we trust God's promises for our life? Yes, rest. Do you believe that God is your provider? Rest. Do you believe that God is your healer? Rest. Every promise, we rest in it. See, it's what Jesus came to bring to us in the new covenant. In fact, in Isaiah 61, this is when Jesus began his earthly ministry. It was part of this passage he read, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Listen to all the things that Christ came to do, because some of you, you fit in this area. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. If you're brokenhearted today, I want you to know that God, Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim the freedom for the captives. To release from darkness for the prisoners. Listen, if you're bound up in some areas of your life, Jesus came to set you free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. If you're mourning today, God's presence is here to comfort you. Provide for those who grieve in Zion and bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. Now watch the results of of when this happens. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Let me read that last part to you again. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Last night I had the opportunity to marry my son and his beautiful new bride. And as I was thinking about the day, I was thinking about how, what an amazing heritage they have because, because our parents and grandparents made a choice to get out of the life of sin that they were in and and make some right choices to live for God. And because of that, this heritage has been trickled down. And and I look at my son and, and my family, and I'm amazed how blessed we are. Some of you didn't have that heritage, but you're going to be the beginning of the heritage. You're going to put your trust in the Lord. You're going to put your rest in the Lord. And you're going to be the oak of righteousness that's going to become established. Because as again, as I said earlier, it's so easy for us to think Christianity is about fire insurance. Just kind of getting in and barely surviving with God. Listen, that's not what God's plan for you is. He wants you to become an oak of righteousness to get established that that oak of righteousness begins to affect generations and generations generations to come. And it happens when somebody says, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm going to believe God, not what I'm going through. I'm going to believe God, not the situation. I'm going to believe the promise, not the problem. When that happens, you start becoming an oak of righteousness. It begins to affect literally everyone around you. Listen, I don't, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know the situations that all of you are dealing with. But I want you to know that God does. He he is not surprised. He's not aloof. He's not distant. Sometimes we just have to make a choice to say, God, I'm going to step into the rest that you have for me. Because see, what God can do is he can take even the things that the devil meant for evil. And he could turn it around and he can make it for your good. He wants you to get rooted and established 
in confidence and resting in the goodness of God because that's the thing that's going to impact generations to come, that you become an oak of righteousness, that you're established for the splendor and the glory of the Lord. Can I tell you, it's awesome when we begin to discover God's goodness. In fact, it's probably one of the most incredible things when we really begin to understand that. But can I tell you, there's a world that needs to see God's goodness. They don't need just to hear God's good from our our mouth, though that's awesome. They need to see God's goodness. How are they going to see God's goodness? All the problems the enemy means for evil. God wants to turn those things around where people go, whoa, how did that happen? Let me tell you about the goodness of the Lord. They know that you, there's no way you should have gotten out of this financial pit you're in. And yet supernatural things took place and people go, wow, look at the goodness of the Lord. God wants us to become established, to rest in Him. I think it's time we enter into that rest. Will you, will you do that with me today? I wanna, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. This and close has been your eyes. a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.